to another weird episode of Twitching Upstream, which is, honestly, it's my favorite show that we do on Tuesdays. Yeah, me too. Of all the shows on Tuesdays, yeah, this one the, is my favorite. Of all the shows we've ever done, this is definitely one of them. This is one of the yeah. shows that we've ever done, and one of the shows we're ever going to do. Uh, <laughs> anyway, we are some nobodies. My name is Zach. This is Dylan over there. Uh, he's sitting right in front of the plant uh, for more oxygen, because yes. why not? Uh, and this show is Twitching Upstream, which is kind of an offshoot of one of our other shows called Talking Upstream. You can find that on a YouTube channel and probably some uh, uh, Pandora, you know, like the, the bracelet of podcasting. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, you can find that on a podcast. Another, you know, in that show, what we do is we find other creators, people that have created podcasts, movies, books, uh, really anything, uh, kites uh some other stuff that was a weird episode um and we uh we kind of get their opinion on the creation process why they do it how they do it and then we kind of uh pitch ideas to them and then together collaboratorily collaboratorily calibratorily sure Whatever word you want to use. You got to start typing words for me to read. Yeah. <laughs> when I just start rambling, you know how it gets. Anyway, uh, so what we decided to do was instead of just keep pitching new ideas of new ideas of new ideas, we would take some of our favorite ideas and we would just uh, really hone them down and make them something that hopefully in the future we could turn into either another show, uh, a TV show, or really sell out uh, and, and make this into a movie or whatever. And that's why we're calling it twitching slash talking upstream because yeah. we're trying to talk ourselves up to a streaming service we really hardcore want to sell out like really who's yeah. like the biggest sellout in your opinion number one sellout oh man uh brett ratner i don't know selling out implies that sellout selling out implies i guess that a, you ever had integrity in the first place. he's a, he's kind of a piece of shit so. well he is yeah but he also does exactly what people want him to do no matter what yeah for money. yeah i kind of feel like selling out is like you, you get known for something um you, you you have a lot of pride in something and then because yeah. of money you're like i don't even care anymore i'll just do anything shack Exactly. Yeah. That's what I was thinking of. We want to be the, Remember the next shack. We want to be the shacks <laughs> of podcasting slash media <laughs> creation. Uh, but before we get into what we're doing on this show, uh, a feel free to subscribe and like it. If you like what we do, please let us know. Uh, you can let us know silently by liking or subscribing. Uh, you can let us know vocally by uh, texting Dylan on caps and using a lot of exclamation points because he, Okay, apparently you're not on the text deal anymore. Still he, prep. He I, I've had that banner up for since like the third episode. He's got way too many text messages, mostly for me, but he does not need any more. Um, usually before we get into the creation process, I have a lot of weird nerd news 
that I have scoured the internet or at least the Google homepage and found some weird stuff to talk about. Uh, I'm not going to do that uh, this week. I have in the last couple of weeks, mostly because there's not really a whole lot to talk about. Hawkeye is coming out tomorrow, uh, so check that out. Um, Master of the Universe Part 2 came out on Netflix today. Please watch that. That is a beautiful show. Um, but what I decided to do this week, to Dylan's surprise, is I'm going to quiz him on his movie trivia. Uh, if you don't know, <laughs> Dylan is not only on a movie review podcast called Real Boys, he's also a mega fan of a movie review podcast called OMG Movie Podcast, where they go over the hits of yesteryear and tomorrow years. Yeah. They don't go by over future uh, movies. I don't know. Anyway. Uh, but I have uh, I've compiled a list of the most obvious movie questions. Okay. And I'm going to hit you with a couple at lightning speed. Okay. Are you ready? Yes. And then once we get done with this, we're going to get into the creation process. And uh, uh, if you haven't been uh, watching the last couple or listening the last couple, we just wrapped up uh, that cool project that we were calling... Sleeper agent. Sleeper agent. I want to say force limit constantly for some reason. It was no. a fun, that was a fun project. Yeah, yeah. very fun. So no, that, sleeper, agent. sleeper agent wasn't. Yeah, but, sleep, yeah, I actually like sleeper agent a little more. Force project or force limit is kind of stupid. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, yeah, so uh, episode five of uh, sleeper agent was last week, and we're going to hop into a new one today after uh, Dylan proves me wrong with his movie knowledge. Oh, okay. Yeah. I tell people, like, Dylan doesn't know anything. No. About movies. Ever. Ever. About anything. Yeah. Let's prove them right. Are you ready? Yeah. Lightning round. Okay. Thousand questions. Okay. Here we go. Number one. What are the dying words of Charles Foster Kane in Citizen Kane? Uh, Tulip bulb. <laughs> Incorrect as always. Number two. Who played Mrs. Robinson in The Graduate? Gal Gadot. <laughs> nope. Oh. Number three. What was the first feature-length animated movie ever released? Fern Gully. <laughs> Part two. Yes. Uh, number four. Do I need in, to specify? Not anymore. Okay. In the <laughs> We're past that one. In the Matrix, does Neo take the blue pill or the red pill? I think he takes both, and the entire movie is his trip. Incorrect. It's red. Number five. For what movie did Tom Hanks score his first Academy Award nomination? Joe versus the Volcano. Incorrect. Big. Number six. In 1927... This musical was the first talkie. Pass. Hey, you're right. Oh, <laughs> all right, cool. All right. What a boring movie. Uh, number seven. What was the name of the skyscraper in Die Hard? Die Hard. <laughs> Tower. Number oh. eight. Uh, what flavor of Pop-Tarts does Buddy the Elf use on his spaghetti in Elf? Uh, ribeye. Incorrect. Number nine. What was the shocking Wes Craven horror movie uh, carried the marketing tagline to avoid fainting, keep repeating? It's only a movie. It's only a movie? It's only a movie. That's my no, that's my answer with a question. It's mark. only a movie. It's only a movie? It's only a movie. Yeah. I've I'm very clear. Yeah. It's only a movie. Yes. I guess we'll just pass. Number 10. What pop vocal group performs at weddings in Bridesmaid? Vitamin C. Wilson Phillips. What real-life, on-again, off-again Hollywood power couple starred in the film Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? Dan Aykroyd and Bill Murray. Well, shockingly, that's correct. Oh. Next question. Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? Dan Aykroyd and Bill Murray. Mm, that was a laugh. Oh. <laughs> Number 12. 
What American writer-director starred in several iconic European-produced spaghetti westerns? Wes Craven. Clint Eastwood. Oh. <laughs> Who played juror number eight in 12 Angry Men? Clint Eastwood? <laughs> nope. I, 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 I thought I was more prepared. You gotta stop saying Clint Eastwood to every question. I, I only you. did it twice. Especially when I ask you what you want for dinner. Number 14. The head of what kind of animal is front and center in the infamous scene in The Godfather? Human. A horse. Oh. Well, I guess technically We're you're right. Well, you're an animal. I am an animal. I've just watched you eat a bunch of pizza rolls. Yeah. <laughs> like a llama. One after the other. <laughs> like an absolute animal. <laughs> Spitting. All right, number 100. What TV show is Jack Nicholson referencing when he ad-libbed Here's Johnny in The Shining? A Serbian film. <laughs> well, Dylan comes up with zero. They, adapt, they adapted it for TV. I hate every time you bring up Serbian film. <laughs> That's why I do it. It shuts me down. <laughs> it almost makes my bones cry. <laughs> It makes this my inner just sad. Next question. I'm done. Oh. Wait. I'm going to give you one bonus question. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. You got to get this one right. Okay. Question four, two, and also for the win. Consider this the snitch of of trivia questions. Like if you get Break this. kneecaps in the shower? Oh, oh Harry Potter snitch. No, not your snitch. Oh, Okay. Okay. <laughs> Actually, we're not going to do 42. Let's go over to number 55. Joaquin Phoenix received his first Oscar nomination for playing Roman Emperor Commodus in what 2000 Oscar winning comedy? The Riddler. Sorry, not the I need you to be Riddler. More, I need you to be more specific. Todd Phillips, The Riddler. Nope. Jason Biggs, The Riddler. I, I'm looking for The Radiator. Oh. I thought that was... I thought that was River Phoenix. Ridley Scott's three, the Gradiator. <laughs> the Gradiator. <laughs> the Gradiator. It's like a just levels of color. It's, yeah, it's set in San Francisco, right? And they make that big hill even hillier. Yeah, but yeah. with colors. Yeah. And emotion. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, that was awful. So I think I'm probably going to go back to the news next time. I like this segment. <laughs> Here we go. Lightning round. <laughs> Who played the unsinkable Molly Brown in Titanic? Molly Ringwald. Kathy Bates. In what action thriller speed? In the action throw speed, why is Annie, Sandra Bullock, why is her driver's license suspended? Because she helped a young teenager of color win in football. I'm not going to touch that one. Uh, 59, the Battle of Thermopylae. Th Thermopylae. Therm Battle of Thermopylae served as the basis of what highly stylized 2006 smash hit Sword and Scandal action flick? Sword and Scandal? That's pretty good, actually. I'm going we'll to pin in that for later. Uh, 302, Rise of an Empire. Also known as 301. <laughs> they really messed up the titling on those movies. 302, 301. 302 Dalmatians? <laughs> It's only three or one of them, but it's the second one, so uh, it makes sense. They held off okay. the, cat, the Persian cat emperor. For, for the win, what is the highest grossing foreign language film at the U.S. box office? Uh, Citizen Kane. Sylvester Stallone. Now let's get on with the right... <laughs> I don't know. Wait, what? I think I kind of skipped. You meant foreign language from outside of America, right? Because it's in English? He is the Italian stallion. And I'm not sure if you know this. Citizen Kane? Italy is not American. Yeah. No, I... 
Sylvester Stallone is Italian? Yeah, have you ever heard him talk? Yeah, he played a giant shark. Dude, that was his best role. Yeah. Okay, anyway. Uh, so, <coughs> excuse me. What we do in this part of the, uh, of the program is we uh, take one of our ideas that we've already pitched to somebody, uh, and they did not buy it. So yeah. we're going to take it, and then we're going to turn it into something that we would do, uh, and then show you uh, our process, really. How Dylan writes uh, the creative process that we do, uh, the weird ways that we come up with stupid uh, names for our characters, et cetera, et cetera. So, like always and anytime, if you have any comments whatsoever, please leave them below. Let us know what you're thinking. If uh, part of our story is getting cool, tell us. It's probably my fault. If part of our story is getting cold, oh, yeah. keep it to yourself. We don't need that kind of <laughs> negativity around us. Yeah. Uh, we have enough of that on our other show with Michael Colby because he is a negative Nancy mm -hmm. Drew. Yeah. Well, I guess I'd make him like inquisitive. A negative Nancy? Is that Nancy? A... Is Nancy Drew cold? Is she? Yeah. Dead for like 40 years. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So D Dylan's going to go into what project we're going to start working on this time and probably spend the next couple episodes working on this thing all the way through. So yeah. Take it away, T-Bone. I'll take it. Yeah, you can call, call me T-Bone from now on. That's what, my, that's what I'm going to go by. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, as Zach said, we like to uh, expand on previous ideas here. Last time we did... Not force limit. No. Sleeper, sleeper agent. agent. We've gone over this. <laughs> we did a sleeper agent, which was about people who deliver packages when they're asleep as part of this like cyberpunk dystopian nonsense. What a cool idea. Uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. And we yeah, ended it. So cool. we're going on to our next project. The next project we're doing is taken from episode 33 of Talking Upstream. We had screenwriters David Wechter and Bruce Kimmel. Uh, you may know them as the people who wrote The Faculty, mm -hmm. starring Jon Stewart back in the 90s. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, way back Josh then. Hartnett. Yes. A name that nobody brings up unless they're talking about The Faculty the or... Batman that was once. He was in that one, like, spaghetti western from, like, Japan. Well, he was ba in Pearl Bakura. Harbor. Do you see that? Bakuga? Bakura. Bakura? Yeah. No. No? Okay. Me neither. Anyway. Are you talking about... <clears throat> The card game you keep trying to get me to play that no, has little spinny guns. That's, that's a lot to unpack. Anyway, new project we're going to do is from episode 33 of Talking Upstream. You can go find that. This is the doc we're doing. The idea was apartment complex paranoia. <clears throat> it stemmed from a text message that Zach had sent me where a character has a mind reading device that kind of picks up thoughts from just kind of ambient. Mm -hmm. And it uh, picks up thoughts of a murder. Yeah. And we had come up with this idea. Similar, It's a setting similar to the M. Night Shyamalan classic Lady in the Water, where it's an apartment building. I thought you were going to say devil. Yes. Just tight. -knit. Oh, sure. But <coughs> yeah. I guess not. Uh, uh, he, Lady in the Water makes way more sense. He directed it? I don't think he wrote devil. He did one of the two. It was like a Tarantino Rodriguez style thing between... They couldn't see that there. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Right on. Dylan likes to hit me with a cowbunga every once in a while. Whenever. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so the main idea is that um, someone has created a device which will pick out thoughts from the ambient air around it and print it off with a neurosignature. You don't know who is doing it, but each one has a, a unique identifier. And one particular weekend, it pulls up the thought that, oh no, I just killed someone. Or something equal. It, it pulls an incriminating thought out of the air. Yeah. 
Um, and we had a few different ideas, primarily um, that there is a character who, the main character, and then he has like a Doc Brown, Marty McFly relationship with an older inventor or a mentor or something, um, <clears throat> or something along those lines. Yeah. This I remember this particular episode, we had such a good interview that the idea took a backseat, which happened on occasion. Yeah, I'll, I'll say as far, looking back on the 42 episodes that we have of Talking Upstream, this is one of the first ones that constantly pops into my brain as being so much fun. Uh, I remember them talking about uh, this cocaine story uh, that was <laughs> so fun, and we, we really try to keep the interview part to uh, like a, a bit of a minimum because uh, we like the creation thing, but those guys were so just engaging and energetic that we really didn't get a whole lot of the idea down. Um, but yeah, we pitched them two ideas. The first one was shopping mall hunger games, which is a cool idea uh, because every time I see some shopping malls, uh, you know, like those kind of uh, outdoor you know, plaza strips, uh, most of them are run down um, mm -hmm. except for a couple, the two or three stores that are thriving. Um, but what they said was that that was more of a setting and not a story. The other one we came up with was, yeah, like you have this this invention that can make you hear slash read people's thoughts. And uh, I think one of the ideas that we had was that somebody else was inventing the same device at the same time. Yes. Uh, that someone had, you know, murdered someone. And the thing was that you create this invention that you think is so important and so revolutionary. And the second you do it, you realize like, oh, my God, I'm surrounded by crazy people. You know, um, so I think that was really the precipice of what we were trying to do with this. Yeah. Now, I think the cool thing about this kind of story is that it really opens the door for a lot of uh, quirky character development um, and, and a lot that can happen. And unfortunately, that also leads to some lazy writing sometimes, because if you watch Late in the Water, you're like, oh, I wonder why that guy has one huge arm. Yep. And um, <laughs> but yeah. OK, so. We don't really have a whole lot, except that there's this inventor that lives in an apartment complex. Mm -hmm. uh, they finally invent this machine, and they unravel that someone had just murdered someone. Yes. We had a few plot beats spread out across a standard kind of three-act thing. Okay. Uh, and I'm just going to read through that real briefly. So the main character has a thought-reading device, prints thought clouds from neural signatures. So mm -hmm. it prints off a physical representation of what a specific person is thinking without naming that person. Wait, it prints a physical thought <laughs> on a piece of paper, like in words. Yes, that was that was the user interface it had. Okay, it, it translated ambient thought energy into text on a on a page and printed it out. Okay, yeah, that okay, okay, that makes sense. We started off with some fun thought reading shenanigans because this is a like a quirky, close knit community. You have a U shaped kind of like. Uh, like five-story apartment block. Everybody has an inward-facing apartment over a communal like pool or something like that. Everybody knows each other. Everybody's got a quirk. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of quirks. A lot of quirks. It detects that someone is going to commit a murder. There is a young couple, and one of them is going on a trip. They're they're leaving. They're going. They're going to leave. And then a snowstorm rolls in. <laughs> Bad snowstorm. It's gonna. You know, we've got forty-eight hours of ice, sleet snow it's going to keep you indoors you can't go anywhere police can't show up easily we have the murder kind of happen and someone knows it has happened main character and their accomplice or friend or mentor or whoever they put on a mixer to try and identify who's who see if they can link up thought patterns with the person 
Uh, maybe it's a barbecue. It needs to be something they can do communally that does not require going outside. Maybe they have like a, like a potluck at their like rec center or whatever. Sure. Um, murder happens. They suspect the victim is a prep, the doomsday prepper who lives down there. They have a reinforced door. They stockpile all their rep, like uh, food and supplies and stuff like that. And they find them. They have to find the murder because the thought has changed. So they don't have an easy way to kind of track who it is. Snowstorm arrives in the blocks in the apartment complex, so everybody's locked inside. Act three, they thought the prepper was a murderer, but it turns out they just can't get a hold of them. They think maybe they're the victim. Mm-hmm. Turns out the victim is one of the couple, the one who was going to leave. They never actually went on their trip. It was just a convenient cover. Um, main character evades the murder because the murderer is going to come find them, but they don't know who the murderer is still. Everybody gets together. They blame the main character because they think that because they're talking about having to try and find this person, they think maybe they're the person that committed it. Call the cops, but the phone line's been cut. Device prints off that the murder is at the meeting, and then we had ne- we hadn't quite like fleshed out fully. So we got a lot of work ahead of us. Yeah, we got a lot of work ahead of us with this, but we have a lot of freedom within this framework. That's true. And then we had a list of characters. And these were kind of like, we just went through and figured out who might be fun to have as a member of this community. Mm-hmm. We had the main character. We had a police cadet who constantly gets heckled. We had a young unmarried couple who have dogs. We had someone who works a graveyard shift, so they're always up at night, sleep during the day. Single parent with children. We had a large family. We had the maintenance person who lives on premises. We had a happy elderly couple. We had a doomsday prepper who had who is known to like stockpile canned goods. They might they probably have a go bag. We had a couple of college stoners who are probably breaking some sort of residency ordinance by having more than the you know licensed number of people in their room. Mm-hmm. You know someone, yeah. We you you see their apartment. They have like the living room curtained off because they have someone sleeping in the, on the couch. Yep. <clears throat> and we have a senior citizen who's like a deadhead hippie pothead. Cool. Those are the characters we had, and I think we originally said that one of the couple, the young couple, the unmarried, one of them is the murderer, one of them is a the victim. Don't know if we want to stick to that. But that's pretty much kind of the, the framework we'll be working in. We've got a murder occurs, main character and someone tries to figure it out, and then the murder, and then the third act is um, like an action scene taking place within the Snowden apartment complex. All right, cool. Yeah. So would you say that you like these rough plot points at least where each of these acts are going i think we have a pretty good start i am not overly attached to any of them all right cool so i guess now where would you normally start when it comes to uh creating a a story now we don't really even know what style of story this Mm -hmm. is going to be and one of the things that we do on talking upstream is try to figure out what this is going to be, whether it's a short film, whether it's a graphic novel, a board game, et cetera, et cetera. And then based on that, then we kind of restructure it to to Mm -hmm. fit that mold. Now, knowing that we have a lot of characters and knowing that we have to at least swerve once or twice, do you see this being more of a series or can this be a contained story? I'm seeing this as if it's episodic, it's limited. Okay. I'm seeing this as kind of a one and done, not an ongoing thing, um, <clears throat> not a long-term project. This yeah. is something that will be told in either a movie-length thing or like 
a few episodes kind of thing. Cool. Okay, so let, let's just go with the understanding that this is going to be a, like a feature-length film. Yeah. Uh, like, and, and not really try to set up a franchise with sure. it. Because why? And I don't but, think it has a franchise concept. There's not a, like, you might be able to get a sequel where they take this to like an inventor's convention and yeah. figure out something weird going on at the convention outside the scope of this project. This is a murder occurs in an apartment complex. Main character knows it happens, doesn't know who it is. Cool. Okay, so I guess one of the first things we get to do is start understanding who this main character is. Yeah. Um, why do you think this person would create, uh, would invent this device? It, it could be some personal drive based on, like, <clears throat> wanting to help the world. Maybe they... I mean, initial, very, very initial kind of rough thoughts could be something along the lines of, like, I had a family member who was paralyzed and needed a way to express themselves. And there's a lot of ongoing stuff right now about reading brain patterns, despite the fact you may be paralyzed and then somehow printing that off. Okay. Now, what do you think about the idea of it being for nefarious reasons? How nefarious? Like, say they were inventing this to become, like, like a villain. And yeah. inadvertently, while testing it, they uncover a murder. And they were only really going to, like, do it to, like, steal money. Uh, but like, this is like bigger pass, than... Like account passwords and stuff like that? Yeah. Sure. Like, maybe they were doing it for white-collar crimes. Sure. And when, you know, they were testing it in a joking fashion, they overheard a couple things and then it's like boom oh my god i just i like the idea of the character potentially starting off as a scumbag yeah and then by solving this mystery they grow and yeah. potentially aren't anymore i like that um i don't want to go organized crime because the last project we did was organized crime. no i wasn't yeah. thinking organized crime <laughs> okay i was thinking cool. someone that had a, a just a, a almost a selfish independent thought not so much within like a group but just kind of like I can I can get further by myself with my smarts. Yeah, you love floating off screen. I do. It's one of your things. Camera movement, man. It's called dynamic camera movement. You are one of the most dynamic sitters I've ever seen. Yeah, it's pretty wild watching. I can you move sit. my bottom half without the top half moving at all. It, it's gross looking right now. I know it's great. It's almost like the Mad Hatter in the second Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> that weird. Oh, oh god. Crunk dance or whatever he does. The okay. worst. The worst movie that uh never mind yeah. i forgot the director's name so the bit doesn't work it's gone <laughs> tim tim timothy bergeron i think you're thinking of timothy chalamet from no Dune. i'm thinking the director of edward scissorhands oh tim burton tim burton timothy bergeron timothy bergeron <laughs> is that the main character of the story yep <laughs> <laughs> timothy bergeron uh and like all good timothy bergeron movies you got to bust out the dutch angles and lens flares uh says red flanagan okay so now we have this character that uh wants to just kind of push himself ahead a little bit and invents this device that prints out just thoughts now does it work in like a like a spherical like a radius yeah right i think even in a radius or at least some sort of range is a good idea all right now their their main thought is i would assume that they work at what okay what what's somewhere where just information can put you ahead 
I would say passwords, but then you still got to do like the legwork of yeah. the banking stuff. Like, what what do you think is something that Journal- maybe like a casino journalist? Are a you journalist. are you thinking environment or job? I'm thinking <laughs> like he's inventing this thing to take to work. They're inventing this thing to make themselves money. But right. if you think about it, they can only use it to hear thoughts. Yeah. So what in what area of the world will thoughts make you money? I mean, I guess stocks, maybe. Stocks, yeah. I guess uh, I was thinking gambling. My, that was my first thought. I, I guess. I don't know how reading the deal. Like My first thought is blackjack and the yeah. dealer doesn't know when the card is coming up. So, Well, if you know what they have, I guess then you know how to bet appropriately, yeah. I would assume. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Well, let's just say that they, that they come up with this device for... Some reason we'll get there. Nefarious money reasons. Nefarious Dogecoin reasons. Yes. <laughs> uh, they can really listen to some Dogecoins if they hear Crypto people's thoughts. Uh, all right. So they have this device. They're building this device. What do they do in, in real life? What's their job? Uh, probably something they could work from their computer. Yeah. Do we want to set this in modern day? Yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah, they work remote doing IT help desk. They're techie. Okay. Yeah, so they they're IT people. They work from home during pandemic. They've been tinkering with some other stuff, and they hop along the idea of I think I can figure out how to print out brainwaves. Yeah. Now, um, now the first act what we're trying to get to is the the creation of the device to to what end of Act One. I think they probably have it done by the start of it. Okay, so we would need, well, I guess we would need a push, right? Or at least we see them testing it. They have an accomplice. We have, we, the original idea had them have an accomplice or a mentor of some sort. Yeah. Okay. So we, we have, okay, so we obviously have to get through the apartment complex. This, this yeah. person has to, we have to meet the people that are, that are here. Yeah. And I would assume the people in the complex are friendly. They are at least communal. Right. Yeah. Uh, they, they're not against this inventor. I don't think uh, so. The inventor's not against them. Some so, of them probably aren't the biggest fans of them, but... <laughs> um, you, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. it's like that weird person. Yeah, they're an IT person who just tinkers a lot. Yeah. So, we need to give them a reason to meet a couple characters. Mm-hmm. We need to give them, I guess, a, a friend who... I'm assuming that they come up with the idea. Red Flanagan says maybe they work for social media, a simpler version of thought broadcasting. Maybe having social media network data can help map the human mind for the thought reader device. Oh, okay. That's cool. All right. So, yeah, (laughs) I love that. That's great. Let's just use that. And uh, so they're creating this thing for a different reason. And then that's when I would assume that they have a friend that's like, Hey, you can use this for yeah. Their friend is the the some imp- slinky stuff. The initiator. Yeah. So now we have main character. We have main character's accomplice. We have people in the apartment complex. We still need, I guess, the the push to. Well, I guess if if we know that they're a social media influencer, that's the push for why they're creating it, and they're creating it to, I guess, m- map. Thoughts, but how how would you map thoughts through like social media? I don't know if the the device specifically uses social media. I think it is 
created to be a brain scanner of some sort, mm, okay. which is why my first thought was like to help people who are paralyzed communicate. But if we're making him a scumbag, <clears throat> he could work in med in like medical technology. Mm. And this just happens to be the project he's assigned to. And his buddy comes over and is like, Hey, you know what you can use this for, right? Read people's minds and take their passwords and do all sorts of stuff. And the main character's like, we could, but we shouldn't, right? Their friend's like, you shouldn't. Like now, is the, fr- is the is it the kind of trope where like the friend is the one who turns it on the first time without the inventor knowing about it? And they're like, they're like, hey, look what I found. Somebody in this building. And it's like, what was the radius set at? And the, yeah. the friend's like, I don't know. I just turned it on. Yeah. All right, cool. <laughs> we could do that. All right, yeah. well, I, th- I, think that, I think that works out a lot. Millions of metrics based on social media forms a foundation for commonalities in people's thoughts. Not wrong. It could be... Yeah, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not opposed to the main character working in some sort of social media capacity. Yeah, I'm cool with that yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah, so they're, they're creating this device to, to push social media to the next level. Uh, maybe they get some weird, uh, pseudo government contract by Meta, uh, because they are America's government. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> and, uh, uh, yeah. And then they have a friend, um, and the, the, the friend is like, you know, you know what you could do with this? Yeah. And main character's like, yeah, I could influence the hell out of some social medias. And the friend's like, uh, no. You can get passwords, and you can get code, codes, 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 passcodes. Sure, passcodes feels like a like a security thing. That's for like all security. Government. Yeah, I don't like passcodes. <laughs> I don't even like saying passcodes. I'm not sure why I said that. Um, so I I like the idea. So we would we would start off with the main character finishing their prototype. Yeah, and they call their friend over. And they're like, hey, I finished the prototype for the thought reader. Yeah. Can I test it on you? And the friend, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. And let's see. And I'm just taking random notes. Mm-hmm. Finishes the prototype. Let's see. They call over friend and ask if they can test it on them. Yeah, and maybe there's like a weird little montage of them testing it in different things. Like, yeah. And maybe they kind of like sort of drinking together or whatever. Yeah. Um, and it's like, all right, now what what card am I thinking of? And they're like all giggly, like just reading each other's thoughts. And main character passes out. Friend turns it on, maybe under the guise of, I wonder if this will read dreams. Sure. And that's why they turn it on. Uh, what if the friend recommends, like, "Hey, let's see if we let's see if this can read dream. Like, let's see if we can," and then mm. convinces main character to go to bed or some or the opposite or something. Sure, yeah, I get, I, yeah, and then mm, I'm just trying to think of like the the main the main inciting incident is that it prints off that someone in the building committed a murder. Yeah, it prints off a bunch of stuff. They it, they turn it on with the radius that covers effectively the entire building. Yeah. And and I think the friend tur- I think the friend turns it on because yeah. the friend doesn't want their 
dreams known. So the main character is like, fine, just you can do mine. Sure. When I go to sleep, blah, blah, blah. And somehow through one of those, you know, quirky movie mishaps, mm-hmm. the radius, the decimal point <laughs> gets moved. <laughs> I like that. I'm, I'm fine with that trope. Yeah, dude, I'm all about it. I don't know how it happens, but whatever. Um, what then, if what if they do a few targeted tests to start, where it's just like, we have the radius set to this room, read my mind. They look at it, do the whole, like, oh, that's gross, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Then, for a larger scale test, they set it to the radius of the building, and they just have it run for, like, an hour. And it just prints off a long sheet of, like, neural ID thought, this neural id too thought this and then part of it is them they're like i can't believe we got this many results it's going to take us a long time to read through this do we want to do this now no we're having a social or something like that Mm. they go to the barbecue they meet everybody we get a little intro to everybody we we learn who everybody is the dynamic of things they go back to read through the results and they're like oh my god someone in this apartment building killed someone recently mm-hmm. who is it and they look at the neural idea and it's like this doesn't identify who the person is we don't have coordinates yeah so we can't have, figure out time what, we have a time of when it was thought and we have an id that's unique to the, whoever thought it cool so now they have to go through and play like this person thought about this person so this person's not this person yeah so they gotta make one of those big like uh grid grid x mark yeah it's things. like a logic puzzle yeah almost. They go, uh, they... Now, I would assume they left it on because they know they're going to go to this party and they want to, and jokingly, they want to know what their neighbors think about them. Yeah, sure. And they go, oh my God. Vance does not like me. And they go, yeah. But so-and-so killed somebody. Yeah. Now, do we have, like, the thoughts of the victim? Sure. Because that sounds pretty graphic depending on what's going on. It could be. Yeah. Well, we don't we don't have to show it specifically. We can just have show them reacting yeah, to it. Yeah, fair. Okay. Okay, so it, now would you say that this is close to like the, the results of the uncovering of the murder? Is that the end of Act 1? Yeah. Okay. Because the inci- it's the inciting incident, which is general. Well, not the end of Act 1. The inciting incident is what kicks the story off. And mm-hmm. so first 10 minutes, hey, I got this thought reader. I think the prototypes work, working. Small scale testing. Uh, Red Flanagan suggests montage scene of working out the device's version for comedic effect. Yep. 100%. Small scale testing. Uh, <clears throat> for some reason, I'm imagining a friend being played by Eric Andre. <laughs> If we want, if we want their thoughts to be kind of like, ah, oh, yeah. come on. And, he, and he's like, <laughs> he does that Eric Andre. Yeah, yeah. He does. Um, and then they decide large scale, long-term test. We're going to read everybody's thoughts. We're going to come back and read the results after the barbecue. They go to the barbecue. We meet all the other people in the apartment building. We meet, they're kind of like A and B are going off on a trip somewhere. C stayed in their apartment because they're a doomsday prepper. D is asleep. E, we establish a few different facts. So when they go through the, the logic puzzle, they can't, we can kind of like have them mark off. We know A is not this. We know A and B are married. So they're probably either the cup, they're the young couple or the old couple or the couple of college kids. D was asleep. 
that's probably the maintenance person who works at night or the person who, yeah. So we have a few different options for who everybody is. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and then whoever's reading the results is like, whoa, hey, this is someone thinking about how they just killed someone. What do you mean? Well, this person just killed, person F just killed person G at three o'clock. Wait, what? What time is it? It's like 4.50. Less than two hours. And then yeah. that's, the, that's the the 10, 15 minute mark. So <clears throat> would you say that the second act is a pseudo interrogation? Like it's it's them talking to the other people in the apartment complex to try to get some information, knowing that they can also read their thoughts later. Yeah. And that way they'll <laughs> get the signatures from each person. They'll get random thoughts from every person. This we could definitely do that. It would be a lot of character work. Yeah. It would be a lot of character work, which is fine. Yeah. It yep. would just we would need to have kind of like I feel like we would need to have subplots potentially figured out for a lot of these people, which yeah. I'm fine with. Yeah, we would definitely need to give people all reasons they could have done it. Yeah. Uh, motives, alibis. We're effectively doing a murder mystery. I'm okay. With that. I haven't done in a ever. Maybe have we ever done a murder mystery? I don't know that we have. I haven't. Maybe I wrote one in college for a short story. I don't remember doing it. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. All right. Cool. Murder New experience. Here we go. <clears throat> okay. So we're going to turn this into a uh, roughly two-hour feature-length uh, murder mystery yeah. where they know someone did it. They have technically a confession, a thought confession, and they got to figure out who did it. So they know that it happened while there was like this communal barbecue going on, this, this communal uh, get together. Does it matter like what time of the year this is? I, we had originally said it during winter so that there could be a snowstorm which mm, keeps everybody local. Love that. Because this does, there needs to be a reason that they don't call the cops. Yeah. Beyond, we have a thought reader that might be illegal in some way. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. Would that be illegal? Is that an invasion of privacy? It's probably, it's not legislated. Like, True. I mean, what are you going to, you could probably get them on something, but I don't know the law. Yeah. Cause you're like, I didn't think that. You yeah. Know, uh, yeah. You did. We don't have anything. We don't have any laws that are set up to deal with this sort of thing. There are thought laws. Yeah. Thought crime ain't a thing yet. Thought crimes. Yeah. <laughs> like in, uh, What's that Tom Cruise movie where the psychics predict crime? Last Samurai. Minority Report. Minority Report. <laughs> Samurai Report. <laughs> Last Samurai Report yeah. ever given. Yeah. Was about a minority. It also. failed in theaters due to millennials. I tell you, it's PC culture going mad. <laughs> okay. So, we have a lot of characters. We have uh, the push for everything. Yeah. Now, what do you want to work on next? Do you want to kind of flesh out what... Roughly Act 2 is, because it seems to me that Act 2 is solving the crime. Act 3 is what to do with it now that it's solved. Yes, Act 2 is solving the crime, and partway through, I think the murderer should catch on that people are looking for them. Yeah, because they have no, even though they have a thought confession, they have no actual evidence. Yeah. So they kind of got to squirrel some evidence (laughs) out of something. Yeah, and there's okay. some pursuit as well, where like they suspect they're being chased down. Like you know, yeah, that sequence where the murderer 
is like chasing him down through the apartment complex. Oh yeah. Yeah, jumping through windows and stuff. Sure. A lot of bathroom jumping. Bathroom jumping. Is that like, <laughs> is that like tub something? It's very safe. It's like the generic version of tub Yeah, it takes a whiskey drink. I'm vodka not trying drink. to get us in trouble here, buddy. This okay. is all bathroom jumping. Sure. <laughs> um, okay, so let's see. Where? where hmm. I think I think right now we are just in kind of the spitball stage of like yeah. finding out plot points. Like, um, yeah, how what what kind of murder? <laughs> yes, do we want to stick with the original idea where one of the like the young couple, one of them killed the other? Um, I'm not sure yet. Okay, we'll keep that. We'll keep we'll we'll pin in who did it. I want to know what kind of murder. Okay, because they won't know. Right, they'll know that someone was murdered. Mm-hmm. They won't know who. They won't know how. They won't know a lot of things. Yeah, they might know why. And that's they'll, pretty they'll, interesting. They should have some sort of disconnected clues about what happened. They, but it, they, would, they should not be relevant to each other. Well, you know what I mean? I think with a thought with a thought confession, you would have motive mm-hmm. only. And that's an sure. interesting way of solving yeah. a crime. You I've never seen where you would solve a crime from <clears throat> straight motive only like you know exactly why this person killed the other person yeah you'll know who they are you'll know how they died you'll know anything else but you know for a fact that's why they did it how long do they run the machine while they're at the barbecue i say like an hour because it needs to be long enough for the murder to be committed but that their initial thought should be who wasn't at the social yeah at that time because people will be coming in and, and leaving you know, like maybe like some people were fighting, so they went outside. Um, there's 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 so much like foot traffic that has to happen because every single person that lives there has to pretty much have a motive, or I guess a, the timing availability. Yeah, and um, yeah, I guess some sort of reverse out. Al- What's a reverse alibi? motive no not motive like an alibi is like i guess uh, spatial alibi like you left this place for seven minutes you could have done it oh uh you uh, i still think like evidence (laughs) yeah i guess it's just i don't know what anti-alibi opposite alibi is when you say some of the stuff I say to you back to me, it sounds real stupid. Ebola. <laughs> I hate you. It's like an alibi backwards. Okay, so um, we have okay, so we have this party that everyone's at. Red is suggesting maybe the device picks up on objects that are emotionally significant. Seems like a good way to get a breadcrumb trail with the people's keepsakes to provide clues and past events. I like it. On occasion, if someone is thinking particular thoughts about like. Um, maybe the, maybe there's a specific, like, maybe the prepper is thinking about something they just got for the, you know, they just obtained something. Wait, so is, is, <clears throat> do you think Red Flanagan is saying that things have like a resonance? If it's important to the person that will show up on the thought scan. Okay. Which is a good, it's a good way to provide a few clues where it's sure. like, well, well, person, D is thinking about their water purifier. The only or person D was thinking about their reinforced door. The only person here with a reinforced door is Steve, because he has all his guns. Yeah. 
So that, that provides a really easy, you know, how in a logic puzzle you have those really simple oh, starter yeah, clues absolutely. where it's like person D is married to Sandra. Sandra's husband is John. And then you're like, oh, okay. Person D is John. I have a starting point. All right. So <clears throat> when writing a murder mystery or when trying to put one of these together, how early do you think we as the creators should know the like who did it? I think it's important to know the events that led up to the death. And then you need to start planting clues about that. Yeah. Okay. So you think that the most intriguing story in, uh, in this setting would be a young couple. One murders the other one. I think that that's the original idea we had. Yeah. And if we have one of them go on a trip where it's like, yeah, I dropped so-and-so off at the airport this morning. Mm. Then that could be a good um, diversion. Or it could be a red herring where the main characters are like, so-and-so said that they dropped off their partner. Mm. That's a really easy excuse to just be like, I got rid of the body and then you have days to, you have a few days to get rid of it. Yeah. And then they could always disappear on the trip. Okay, so I guess we got to set up a timeline then. Yeah. So... We know the murder happens at this party. Uh, it didn't happen at the party. It happened before the party that day. They were just thinking about it during the party? Yeah. It was probably fresh in their mind. But then that wouldn't really give us any clues whatsoever. Because earlier, if it happened during the party, then it could be who wasn't here at this specific time and trying to figure that out. If it happened way before the party and the person at the party is just thinking oh i killed somebody earlier yeah that would really give us a lot of clues right we wouldn't start off with a whole lot of clues i don't think so they okay. they, they know that neural signature f killed someone okay. in the apartment complex but not during that party not during the party so Even they had a pretty good alibi there could have been someone there was someone at the party okay okay so when did they murder this person? That morning. And the party's at what, like three p.m. or something? Yeah. Okay. It's a it's a it's a barbecue. It's a. Is it Thanksgiving? No. It's not a communal. It's, this isn't a Thanksgiving movie. No. Oh, okay. Do you like Thanksgiving movies? I I don't have a strong liking for them, but I. It's it's one of those holidays that never. Is it there... very rarely gets its own movie. Yeah. It's usually incidental, like in Spider-Man 1 from Sam Raimi. <laughs> Solid Thanksgiving yeah. movie. Is there a holiday in January? New Year's? No, not this year. No? Oh, yeah. No, we canceled it. Right. Yeah, it got canceled. <laughs> it's going to get leaped. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... Uh, okay, so we have, we have a murder that happened in the morning. Then we have a party that happened later on. Everyone's at the party. When they come back from the party, they realize after looking at all the thoughts that not only are there some weird stuff going on in this apartment complex, yeah. but that someone had murdered someone earlier that day. Now, I guess what we got to do next time is we're going to figure out all the people that are in this apartment complex and how some of them are missing. Yeah. Because we have to have at least three to four people not there anymore. Mm -hmm. 
so that they can be like, well, did this person get murdered? Did this yeah. person get murdered? So we got a lot of legwork to do. We get to do some real character work. Real writing. character work. Yeah. So at the end of this, how many characters do you think we got to put together? The original list. Yeah. Main character. Police cadet. Young married couple, which is two. Graveyard shift. Single parent. At least one child. Large family. At least five or six people. Yeah. Uh, maintenance person. Happy elderly couple. Prepper. College stoners. Three to four. Let's say yeah. three to counteract a large family. Senior citizen deadhead. It's like 17 people. All right, cool. So we're going to need like 20-ish people. Mm -hmm. A lot of problems. Yep. A little a little fiasco web. A little fiasco. All right, cool. Yeah. And that's definitely something to look forward to oh, yeah. next Tuesday. Well, plenty of, plenty of content. Yeah. Um, no Red Flanagan. I wasn't saying we should live in 2021 forever. What I'm saying is, like, it's been bad enough that we got to get to 2023 soon. <laughs> was I guess... it, did you send me an idea once where it was like it's a New Year's party and everybody's getting ready to say Happy New Year on midnight? And then when it rolls over midnight, it's just December 32nd. Yeah. Was that an idea we had? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Just wondering. Dude, we have some really good ideas. It's not bad. <laughs> Honestly, we want to thank you guys for knowing that we have a lot of really yeah. good ideas. And thank you for listening to all of our <laughs> great ideas so and great. Uh, and really helping us out. Because uh, without people like Red Flanagan, some of our ideas would not be that good. Uh, they're fine. They're fine. But old RF, he makes them better. Yeah. They make them better. Radio frequency. Oh, is that what that stands for? RFID? Was that a question? Radio frequency? I dig. You dig? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, so next week we're going to work on all 20 of these characters. Uh, a murder. And, uh, we're going to work on a murder. We're going to work on a murder. This entire show for the past year and a half has been a cover. It's one long Cincinnati sidestep into... Me murdering Dylan. Is that a ska band? Something size them. <laughs> Sounds like a ska band. No, that's like. Oh, a... it doesn't have a ska pun in the title. No, you gotta have a. You gotta have some kind of pun. Neither does real big fish. Well, I guess real big. I yeah, yeah, it is. You can't real small fish. <sighs> really, the endings of these are just not that great. Uh, we we stumble across this finish line every week. It's great. I don't know why Dylan starts talking when we're trying to say goodbye. Because uh, oh, there we go. Okay, so thank you very much. We do appreciate any and all attention that we get. Trust me, that is so true. Uh, I love it uh, when Dylan leaves me on red because that means that he read my messages. And that... You got to turn those read receipts off, man. No, I don't. I live by them. <laughs> They're in my journal. Uh, anyway, next week we're going to work on a whole bunch of stuff, so stay tuned for that. If you want to hear more of our stuff, we have Real Boys uh, next Monday where we're going to go over Dylan's number one favorite movie, Inside Oscar Isaac, uh, which uh, Mike Colby is really looking forward to. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Inside Lou Davis uh, next Monday on The Real Boys. Um, and what else? Oh my God! Is that the only show we're doing right now? I think it's the only thing we're actually doing. Well, I'm I, I'm finishing up Nanorima. Yeah, you. Yep. Writing month. I'm gonna I'm gonna cross that finish line. I'm only ten thousand words from it. Yeah. Uh, and then we'll be writing some more some nobody stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Got ideas. It's gonna be fun. Word Vember's almost almost over. Yeah. Brovember. Brovember. No Brovember. Brannuary. <laughs>
<laughs> only if your only if your poop's weak, I think. Brarch. Uh, brarch, yeah. <laughs> That's when you eat brunch during the entire month. Yeah. Uh all right. So we're gonna get out of here. We appreciate you, Red Flanagan. You are our favorite. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh other people we want to thank, obviously our East Coast friends, Tony Shek and uh Tara Chikachik. Sarah Chikachik. Tara Sakachik. Tara Sakachik. Yeah. I that's weird when it happens. That's okay. I can't do it on purpose, but I can always do it on purpose. Yeah. Uh, so uh, check out Jeff Dwoskin's show on Wednesday. Uh, he's a great dude. Look for anything that Jack Billings presents, no matter if it's a dirty bunghole or a filthy hotel or a filthy neighbor or yeah. a filthy uh, music generation yeah, or a something. filthy video game or a filthy real boy. Uh, yeah. Really anything. Just um, so greasy. So greasy. But if you want to listen to anything else that Dylan has written, please go find Create Your Own Pod Adventure, CYOP Appeal. Uh, Dylan put together this cool 17-episode choose-your-own-adventure style thing where you listen to episode one, you do what you want. At the end, it's like, hey, you have a choice. Do one of these two things. Uh, turn to a bear or go grocery shopping. Um, yeah. Yeah, you can have one of those two things. Life uh, is full of choices. That's heart. true. This is one of these things, right? It's red. Heart. Red heart. It actually is a heart on my shirt. Oh, yeah. Yes. I, I did that earlier for Red Flanagan. Um, this shirt's actually made out of Flanagan. Is that a thread? No. That's no, like plaid? I think you're thinking of... Um, flannel. Flannel. <laughs> I have been Zach. He's been Dylan. You've been great. Goodbye. Bye. Thank you.